0: Here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Well, it's Friday, the second Friday of the month, when I will take your calls and answer your questions about anything that has to do with narcissistic abuse. If you would like to call in, the number is 424-220-1801. 4- Two, four Two, two zero one eight zero one. Today I'm going to be talking <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Today I'm going to be talking about the narcissistic parent. Do you have one? How do you know? What it's about? What they do? But so before I start, you I'm thinking it's it's November, and we are getting ready to have Thanksgiving very soon and People are getting stressed out knowing that the holidays are coming. I mean, Christmas didn't use, used to be out until after Thanksgiving, and now it's just been out since I don't know what we, October really puts a lot of pressure on us, so I wanted to read something to you. This is just a cute little story. A young lady confidently walked around the room while leading a stress management workshop. In her hand was a raised glass of water. The attendees all suspected that she was going to ask the question, is this glass half empty or half full? They were all surprised when instead she asked, how heavy is this glass of water? Various people called out answers from the audience the guesses ranging from 8 ounces to 20 ounces. The young lady replied, actually, the absolute weight does not matter. It depends on how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute, it is not a problem. If I hold it for an hour, I will have an ache in my right arm. If I hold it for a day, my arm will probably need medical attention, in case the glass has the same weight but the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. She continued. That is the way it is with stress. If we carry our burdens all the time, sooner or later, as the burden becomes increasingly heavy, we will not be able to carry on. As with the glass of water, stress has to be put down for a while, and we have to rest before carrying it again. When we are refreshed, we can more easily carry our burdens. She gave the following advice. Every evening, as early as you can manage to do it, lay your stress and all your burdens to rest. Do not carry them throughout the evening and into the night. They will still be there tomorrow if you want to pick them up again. I love that story. It's a great analogy and it makes sense. So I wanted to share that with you. Um, If you're feeling stress, which I know many of you are, maybe that's a, maybe that will resonate with you. You know, I do a lot of shows about different things. Stress is a topic that comes up very often. So I know a lot of you are feeling stress. And so listen to that story again. You can, uh, after the show airs, you can listen to it again and again for some inspiration. So, Again, if you'd like to call in, the number is 424-220-1801. If something I say sparks something in you, feel free to call. So parents, you know, that word parents, the word family, brothers, all of those things call, come with expectations of what that role is, what that role is supposed to be. And the, hold on a second. And the roles, mother and father, are particularly emotionally charged and guilt producing. Just somehow we feel guilty when we think of that. But reproduction Is an instinct that's given to all living things in order to perpetuate the species. Many organisms create offspring and are not responsible for their aftercare. For those that are, their job is to protect their young until they are capable of protecting themselves and give them tools for survival. That in a nutshell, is the job of every human parent, though they are really responsible for much more. But the job of a, of a healthy parent is to raise a healthy adult. That's what the job is about. You know, we come into this world with these blank slates, these precious souls that are supposed to be cherished and nurtured, supported, safeguarded, And the parent is entrusted with this. That's a huge responsibility that no one should take on unless they're ready for it. Um, And, you know, it's not an easy job. And it's not a brief one because humans, human children, it takes 18 years before we can put them out um, into the world. And even longer sometimes because the brain doesn't fully develop uh, and be able to evaluate consequences as well until they're about 25 years old. And even then, it never really ends. The responsibility never really ends for loving parents. So. Obviously, children don't come into this world with uh, an instruction manual and. So no parent is going to do a perfect job of raising children, but it is given that any child born or adopted into the convoluted domain of a narcissistic parent, they are going to have a steep uphill climb throughout life. The emotional and psychological child abuse that narcissistic parents perpetrate painfully unjust neglectful and heartless. Children in these settings suffer a very difficult life and they become severely damaged as a result of it. It changes who they are forever. So like I said before, a healthy parent raises healthy children, but a narcissistic parent destroys the child's ability to grow through the the natural growth processes, emotional growth processes that they need to be functioning in this world. The child of a narcissistic parent is considered an extension of the parent. This child's job is to realize the unfulfilled dreams, fantasies, and wishes of her parent. And if you're a child that, if you're an adult child that has experienced this, this is not normal. I know it seems normal because it's all you know, but this is not normal. Not only does a child need to fulfill the parent's wishes, she needs to conform to them too. The parent feels entitled to mold the child into the ideal image of whatever he wants that child to be child is expected to perform to the parents' standards, even though those standards are ever-changing and never clear and very confusing. Narcissistic parents believe they own their children. Whatever they do for for their child is considered a sacrifice, so the child always has a debt to pay. So they're not doing it from a loving heart. They're doing it as a sacrifice or for some other convoluted reason. But whatever the case, the child always has a debt to pay. And whatever the child achieves on her own, that's considered the parent's too. That's considered the parent's ownership, it's because of them that the child is smart. It's because of them that the child does well in school. It's because of them the child is talented. The child does not have a separate self. You know, per- perhaps even the nagging, the constant nagging or urging that got the child to this success. Or maybe it was the parents' genes or the parents' talents that made the success possible but the achievements only matter if they please the parent or give him or her something to brag about it's always about them and what's really sad is that narcissist children are only considered valuable if they are visibly flawless children that are born with inflictions disabilities challenges these are considered injustices to the all-deserving, omnipotent parent. Physically impaired offspring who sully their magnificence are unacceptable. Insulting. These children give the narcissistic parent no bragging rights. As long as they remain under this domain, They will never have the opportunity to reach their full potential. And we know that children with disabilities can absolutely reach their full potential, but they're pretty much discarded by a narcissistic parent, which is really tragic. Everything about narcissistic behavior is abusive, but in my opinion, Abuse is directed to emotionally fragile, innocent children, whether the children are physically or emotionally compromised or not. This is particularly cruel-hearted, hazardous, and destructive. It is criminal. This is criminal. You can't do this to an adult and get away with it. Well, I shouldn't say that because they do. Narcissists do this to adults and get away with it all the time. That's criminal too. But what's even more tragic is that narcissistic parents do not have the capacity to love their children, at least not in the way that we need it, not in a way that is healthy. They may think that what they feel for their children is love, but it is a perverted type of love based on selfish neediness, not on unconditional acceptance. Whatever this love may be, it is certainly not a love that children can thrive on. So if you've ever said to yourself, well, you know, they say they love me or they love me as, as much as they can, that's fine. But it's not a love that a child can thrive on. They're very convincing uh, in conveying their love at times, but they're devoid of empathy because they've never felt it. They only know how to mimic the display of this emotion that is very foreign to them because they have seen it exemplified by others. Narcissists are actors. I've said this a thousand times. They are actors. And you will not detect the role that they're playing. They will play it to the hilt. And this is where we get very confused. This is where the guilt comes in. Because, but that's my parents. So when you look back, you think about the things that they did that were wonderful. And you say, well, they tried their very best. No, they did not try their very best. This is a selfish situation of totally self-centered situation to confuse the children narcissistic parents either deny their memories of events or dismiss the importance of them and then they tell their children that what they remember never happened you know what this is this is gaslighting I hear this a lot uh, when confronted with a memory that the parent does not remember or does not want to acknowledge, the parent will say that the child does not know what he or she is talking about, that this child has a very vivid imagination. Have you ever heard that? You have a vivid imagination. I never said that. I never did that. You're told that you're exaggerating. You're told that you need mental help. If the narcissistic parent isn't trying to portray portray the child as insane or psychotic, he's telling her that she is. Any child in this situation that tries to argue the point is told that, that, that they are overreacting as they always do. And if others are around to witness this parental reaction the parent will portray himself as a wounded victim telling others he did nothing to elicit such a crazy response from the child and to absolve his or herself from all responsibility and make the child look bad. Parent will act concerned about the child's state of mind. They'll say, Oh, Oh, I love Johnny and I would do anything to make him happy. But since he keeps pushing me away, I don't know what to do. It's the child. The child is pushing me away and I don't know what to do. And that's how the narcissistic parent looks good to other people. They make you look bad and they look good. So, As far as the narcissistic parent goes, their children exist only for the parent's benefit. Children are not seen as people in their own rights. They're not seen as individuals. The child's needs and concerns are always ranked below the needs and concerns of the parent. And they usually conceal that viewpoint to keep the narcissistic supply from the child flowing. There are several several tactics of control for this purpose that they use. Codependent control, guilt, narcissistic rage, and withdrawal of love. These are the four typical ones. And most narcissistic parents will utilize all of them. My mother did. Codependent control is also known as narcissistic attachment attachment. This tactic is used to create a dependent relationship between the parent and the child. The goal is to keep the parent at the center of the child's emotional universe. The parent tells the child that he needs her, relies on her, and cannot live without her. This is the tactic that creates the enmeshment between them. Because what they're doing is sabotaging the child's autonomy is the way narcissists deliberately use their children's sensitivities against them. They don't have a conscious, conscious, conscience when it comes to others' feelings, but they know that their children do by using phrases such as, look at all I've done for you or I've sacrificed everything for you. Um, And they say, I've given my life for you. These phrases make the child believe that the child owes the parent. That is the child's job to keep the narcissistic parent happy. Of course, they don't know it's a narcissistic parent, but children are made to feel that it is their job to keep the parent happy. Withdrawal of love is emotional blackmail. This is where the parent tries to create subservience in the child by showing the child love, kindness and indulgence, and then yanking it all the way at will. If the child doesn't behave the way he or she is expected to, or please the parent the way the parent wants to be pleased, all love and affection is withdrawn. The message the narcissistic parent conveys is, I will only love you if you do everything my way. I'm sure you're all relating tremendously to what I'm saying because this happens in every family. Um, And it's a huge reason why you have trouble unenmeshing and separating. Because that distortion of love creates confusion in the child. The child is being told that he or she is loved, but it doesn't feel like it Love, like love. It doesn't feel good, and it causes the child to become insecure in his relationship with the parent because of the unpredictable fluctuation between love and rejection. It's no wonder that children raised by parents with narcissistic personality disorder feel confused, insecure, Uh, Vulnerable, worthless, powerless. They are raised with emotionally unreliable infrastructures and subjected to horrific levels of abuse that leave them feeling terrified and rejected, isolated and abandoned. Narcissistic child abuse may be covert, which is subtle. Or overt which is obvious or it could be a combination of both one is is usually more easily identified by the children than the other but both methods are equally damaging now there's other ways to differentiate uh, narcissistic parents and we're going to talk about engulfing parents and ignoring parents some parents have a combination of, of both And some parents treat one child one way and another child a different way. You may notice that in your family. So what is an engulfing parent? An engulfing parent sees their children as extensions of themselves, not as separate people. No boundaries are created between the parent and and child. This lack of boundaries is not a problem for infants and toddlers because These are non-autonomous ages, and they are still largely merged with the parent. The problem only begins when the child tries to forge an identity that usually occurs in the adolescence and teenage years. So you may have noticed that when you got to be 12, 13, 14, you became maybe rebellious or you became very withdrawn because of the lack of boundaries. And at these stages in a child's emotional development that engulfing parents develop their greatest resentments. They consider the child their property. Children are begrudged for doing what every emotionally healthy child at this age does, pulling away from the parents, forming close friends, making independent choices this is absolutely horrible to the narcissistic parent who for years they've had this compliant child and now the child is pulling away how dare they how dare they do that narcissistic parents are envious of anything that steals their children's focus from them The war they wage on their children at this point makes going through normal childhood developmental stages difficult, if not impossible. Narcissistic parents deliberately stunt their children's emotional growth to keep them enmeshed and dependent. Now, engulfing parents use three primary tactics to do this, parentification, infantilization, and triangulation. So let me explain what all three of these things are. So parentification is when the parent-child roles are reversed. Instead of the parent taking care of the child, other adult responsibilities, the child is expected to take care of the parent's emotional and physical needs. Uh, Or they may be expected to take charge of the household or raise their siblings and this requires the sacrificing of the child's own needs The child is forced to become an adult long before he or she is ready these children lose their childhood this role reversal is usually assigned to the firstborn or the most mature child But, and the sex of the child doesn't matter, though sometimes a child of the opposite sex is selected to be a surrogate spouse. This dynamic is known as emotional incest, also termed covert or psychic incest. Emotional incest is the result of a parent's perverted response to the child's innocent love. Now I said sometimes it's the opposite sex, but not always not always. And I've heard of situations where the child has been, if it was a girl, she was treated as if she was a male. And if it was a boy, he was treated as if he was a female. And they were forced to play these roles and they grow up very confused about their genders and, and what they're attracted to. Um, so emotional incest is, this is a highly inappropriate, one-sided sexualized relationship that a narcissistic parent, or it could be a step-parent, develops with his child. It's similar to a sexual relationship between two adults, but it only involves the emotional components. The relationship the narcissist has with his child is not physically sexual, although it can sometimes be, no molestation or intercourse takes place. It is emotional abuse, not sexual abuse. So I'm not talking about sexual abuse here. I'm talking about emotional abuse that is sexualized. Um, This can be prompted by the physical or emotional separation of the parents or a divorce. So if there's parents that Um, that don't get along, the narcissist wants to take on a partner, they often use the child because they don't have their other partner. So the child steps in unknowingly. But this can also occur in single family homes. Parents who can't get all their emotional needs met from an adult relationship, may cling to a child this way whatever the reason, it's not mutually satisfying. The only person getting his or her needs met is the narcissistic parent. So let me talk about um, infantilization. infantilization, this is a dynamic used by narcissistic parents to keep their children from maturing. Children are treated as if they are much younger than their age. This is a brainwashing tactic that is used out of fear of abandonment. Through infantilization, parents ensure their children stay immature and dependent. So if you are still feeling immature and dependent, there's a chance that you were infantilized. infantilized, It's a hard word to say. Narcissistic parents, they tend to employ this tactic when they first feel threatened to their child's move towards independent and away from them so maybe you've gotten more involved in school or maybe you're going away to college but the goal is to undermine the child's separation in whatever way they can the narcissistic parent conveys to the child Directly or indirectly, the child is less mature or less capable than he or she truly is. And this treatment creates insecurity in the child that retards the child's emotional growth. So there are a number of methods that can be used to infantilize a child. Infantilize. Infantilize, yes, a child. Um, Sometimes... The narcissistic parent uses that sing-song tone of the voice that's known as parentese. Uh, that this is what we use to talk to babies and we talk to pets, but in this case, the parent is using it to talk to the adolescent or teenager. When parents speak parentese. To infants this is highly beneficial to their emotional growth, but when they do this to a maturing child it is emotionally crippling other ways a parent um, a parent may infantilize some try to steal the child's voice they constantly butt in and answer for the child when someone speaks directly to the child this is this stifles a child's self-expression and prevents her from being able to assert herself. An insecure, timid jo- child with no voice is easily controlled and manipulated. The lifetime implications of this abuse are vast, as many of you know. Some parents infantilize by doing everything for the children that the children should be fully capable of doing for themselves, such as feeding, dressing, bathing. Children who can't take care of their basic needs or accomplish basic life skills become fundamentally crippled. They must stay fully reliant on their parents for a very long time. Another way that a narcissistic parent may deprive a maturing child of self-reliance is to never allow that child to sleep alone. This tactic prevents the child from learning coping skills and socially cripples the child. Adolescents who cannot sleep alone won't be able to partake in age-appropriate activities outside the home such as sleepovers with friends, overnight camping, extended trips with classmates, not only is this embarrassing for the child, but his social and emotional development is repressed. Adolescents and teens who have been infantilized infantilized, infantilized, that's the word, often feel shameful among their peers. And Because they're aware of their stunted social maturity, they tend to isolate themselves and they don't really develop friendships. They typically avoid them and any social activities that are really prevalent at the age that they're at. And it's such an integral part of their development. Um, The third popular tactic of the engulfing parent is called. Triangulation. Okay, so you've all heard of triangulation. Um, the, The three control, well, triangulation is a deceitful tactic used by the narcissistic parent to control and manipulate the balance of power in the family system. The parent's goal is to keep the siblings from collaborating in ways that might interfere calculated objectives. So if the children get together and they compare notes, the parent gets revealed. So what they do is they make the children dislike each other, hate each other, um, abuse each other. Or they just create sort of a, they, they don't promote a healthy relationship. Let's just say that. And everything about triangulation boils down to protecting the parent's narcissistic supply. Like an addict, a narcissist cannot survive without narcissistic supply. She needs constant replenishment. And a narcissistic parent, a narcissist in in general, will stoop to any level to get the fix. Any level whatsoever. Um, So this is how they kind of gain control over the informational flow in the family. They create indirect communication between the siblings. They put themselves in the role of go-between and so in doing this she controls the content of the information, the way the, the information flows and the way it gets interpreted but there's more benefits with everyone relating directly to her the parent is always in the information loop and always remains the center of attention it's amazing how they know how to do this they all know how to do this children are going to get together children play children go to school and since the parent can't prevent all communication between the siblings, he will try to create conflict and mistrust between them. As I was saying before, he will fabricate information, tell lies, confide in them in individually, and tell them to keep secrets from each other. The parent may badmouth one sibling to another. They may share information with one sibling, hoping it will get back to the other. And create drama because we know narcissists love drama narcissistic parents take great pleasure in the upheaval they can create among family members so these control three control tactics parentification infantilization and triangulation are most commonly used by engulfing parents but not only them it's not limited to engulfing parents and ignoring parents um can use these tactics as as well as well but they but they have their own particular techniques which i'm going to talk about strategies used by engulfing parents are more covert and subtle than the ones used by ignoring parents one thing that sets ignoring and engulfing parents apart is their boundary systems engulfing parents create no boundaries between themselves and their children Excuse me. Ignoring parents create chasms. They create huge. It's not just no boundaries. It's huge chasms. Um, Ignoring parents don't care about their children, and they don't even really pretend to. Children clearly understand that they do not matter to the parent. They know they are not loved. Ignoring parents never beat around the bush. They abuse through rejection, neglect, exploitation, isolation, terrorization. You know, if you think of like a visual of um, ignoring parent, this would be like a child running into her mother's arms while the mother just stands there like a stone or pushes the child away or says get out of my face, or says I don't have time for you. You're bothering me. Rejected children know they are unwanted. Whether they are told so or through the actions of their parents, it's understood that their parents attribute no worth to them, none. They are frequently belittled, criticized, blamed, humiliated and demeaned. Sometimes rejecting children will even tell children that they really wanted a child of the opposite sex. Or sometimes they say, I didn't want you, or I had planned to abort you and I'm sorry I had you. A horrible message for a child, and we carry this well into our adulthood until it's worked through. Um, they use, they belittle their children. Through the use of derogatory labels, name-calling, insults, they use these hurtful rejections directly stated or insinuated through backhanded, condescending comments. How many times have you had that happen to you? Maybe it was direct, but sometimes it was just this backhanded comment that you just went, what? What was that about? Ignoring parents may tell the child that she is ugly or fat. The parent may suggest that the child doesn't measure up to her other beautiful siblings or other children her age. Or that everything she does pales in comparison to the siblings or other children her age. And wanting attention, be it negative or positive, the child may act out and then is labeled a troublemaker. I've had so many people say to me, I'm really embarrassed by my behavior as a child. Well, when you take all of this into consideration, how can a child act any other way? Either you um, dissociate, you, become, you develop a personality disorder, um, you isolate, or You act out or you mouth off or whatever it is. You have to do something. Um, But often you're goaded into yelling back, responding to an accusation that hurts so bad and is totally wrong, obviously wrong, goaded and you're pushed and pushed and pushed till you finally yell. And you say things you would never normally say. But that parent does that because then they can say, look at you. You see? You're no good. You're the problem. You're the problem in this family. You're the one that causes all everything that goes wrong in this family. It's because of you. Um Children who are ignored and neglected are largely unrecognized. The parent often ignores the child's basic needs. Sometimes the child will be sent to school with odd, dirty, or mismatched clothes, or clothes that, um, that don't fit into the kind of school that they go to. Um, they may not do their hair, brush their hair. They may not teach them proper hygiene. They may not get them medical or dental care, but some ignoring parents begrudgingly take care of their neglected children just to keep up the pretense of being a good parent
1: because
0: they have to make it look good. Ignoring parents never take the time to play with their children, spend time with them, or even take them out for an enjoyable time. Ignoring parents send their children out into the world with no guidance, no protection, no supervision. They could care less who their children's friends are, how the child is doing in school, or what their achievements are. And if the child gets into trouble, the parent does not consider it her problem. If if her role as a parent is somehow... Mandated because of it, the inconvenience will send her raging. She has to step in because of the child's bad behavior. She will rage. That child will have hell to pay. A rejected child may never be shown or held, shown affection or held. Um, She may be ostracized from family activities. Rejected children are emotionally abandoned and in some cases physically abandoned as well. Some neglecting parents give their children away or put them in orphanages or put them, you know, into foster care. Some will threaten abandonment as a way to punish their children. This is what's called terrorization. Now, we know that narcissists terrify us. Terrorizing parents are not the least bit concerned about corrupting the child's vulnerabilities, damaging the child in any way. They scare the children into submission through the use of threats, intimidation, cursing, raging. They may threaten to kick a child out of the house or they may follow through with the eviction. I've heard of children being kicked out at very young ages, kicked out of a house, standing in the snow, without any coat or boots or anything like that. The parent throws them out. This reign of terror may include threats to humiliate the children or they may actually use public ridicule. The effect of terror on innocent children is equally damaging, whether directed at them, other family members, or family pets. The destruction is the same, whether the children experience, witness, or overhear, or any, anything that makes them aware that their home environment is a violent one. So even if it did not happen to you, but it happened to a sibling or it happened. You saw it happening to the other parent. That is terrorization. You have been terrorized. Children need loving, consistent home environments that are predictable in order to thrive. The inconsistent, unpredictable emotional outbursts of terrorizing parents followed by periods of precarious calm, destroy children's emotional safety. They become hypervigilant, never knowing when everything will explode again. And this is often the making of an adult empath. Because of this hyper awareness, this hypervigilance of feeling the energy in their environment it makes them emotional sponges as adults. So let's talk about isolating parents. Um, these parents deprive their children of their basic need for normal human contact some children are locked away in their rooms or other small spaces like closets for days, months, sometimes years I think we've all heard these types of horror stories maybe on the news or talk shows or whatever um, I'll tell you a story, a quick story um, a, women, a woman that I knew was an only child, and this child was told by her mother that she was too ugly to let out of the house. Her mother kept her locked in her room every day throughout her entire childhood and adolescence. The moment her father left the house for work, she was sequestered. Her mother did not let her out until he returned home at the end of the day, so her father, who loved her dearly, never knew what was going on. So in addition to being a narcissist, the mother had Munchausen syndrome. She physically abused her as well. She suffered severe untreated brain injury after being thrown against the wall and was subjected to a myriad of unwanted medical tests. She was treated as if she was a lab rat. And as a child, she had no friends. And she was never allowed to go to school. But the saving grace is that she had a genius IQ and was able to educate herself by reading books. And you know what? She was smart enough to get into college at a time when women generally did not achieve that level of education. She got married. She had children. And she became a very loving, devoted mother. She raised two adoring children. But, of course, the memories... Don't haunt her. This is a woman. Um, I used to volunteer for hospice, and she was one of the people that I saw, and I would see every week. And you know, she would tell me these stories, and it's just unbelievable. Um, she was a docent at museums, she gave speeches. she was a brilliant woman. But not all cases of isolation are this severe. I mean, obviously, obviously, obviously this is a severe one. Um, many are. Some children are overburdened with chores or forced to study excessively. Some are not allowed to have friends. Some can't attend social events. And they, some of them are prevented from interacting with other family members. Isolating parents may even leave children alone for extended periods of time or deprive them of food. So talking about the many ways that narcissistic parents um, destroy their children, destroy their emotional health, give them no emotional safety, give them no tools for life. And this abuse... Child abuse suffered from a narcissistic parent is one of the most insidious, horrendous, and treacherous forms of childhood. Child abuse, I mean, forms of child abuse, not childhood. Um, if you've ever said to yourself, well, they never hit me. <laughs> they didn't have to hit you because what they did to your mind and your, your soul is even worse children who endure this can never redeem themselves or ever prove to the parent that they are innocent of the projections the accusations the charges that are constantly laid on them because the parent is never accountable that makes children feel frustrated and crazy But because children depend on their parents for all their needs, they are defenseless when it comes to these narcissistic, let's call them monsters. They have no way to escape the abuse. No one comes to rescue them because the abuse is invisible to the outside world. So as a result, the subtle, craftily designed abuse these children are subjected to damages them for the rest of their lives. In the majority of cases, children don't recognize the treatment as abuse while it is happening. It's the way their world has always operated. It's the only child-parent dynamic they understand. Narcissistic parents groom their children well. The hold that they have over their children when they are young continues well into their adulthoods well into their adulthoods people come to me at all ages 30 40 50 60 70 same thing it doesn't go away this is not something that goes away with time whether their parents are alive or dead adult children of narcissistic parents won't escape the oppression until they accept that the destructive behavior of their parents is responsible for the majority of problems that currently exist in their lives. Once they take that first step, that very difficult first step, that leap of faith with support, because you need a tremendous amount of support to do this, that's when the healing begins. That's the first day, first moment of your healing. But you must recognize your parents for who they are. So many people say, well, I don't want to throw my parents under the bus. They did the best that they can, and I don't want to humiliate them. I don't want to you know, blame them. I don't want to blame them. Healing from narcissistic abuse is not about blame. It's about you. It's about you developing what you need to function happy and healthy in this world with sanity, with peace in your life. It's not about bashing them, but you must accept what happened to you. You must look at it and understand that it was horrific. All this kind of emotional abuse is horrific. It destroys the lives of children, which means that adults flounder in life they have they they're they're out there trying to live a healthy life but they keep making terrible choices and they suffer depression and they suffer anxiety and they just don't feel at peace that's from the childhood so i often do um, the child work inner child work with my clients um, when they're having a hard time with this And what I recommend you do is if you find that you are stuck because you keep thinking about the good things your parents did and you don't want to bash them or throw them under the bus. Again, you're not bashing them. You are telling your story. This is your story. It's not your parents' story because their perception of what happened is completely different. This is your story and you need to tell it with honesty and full disclosure. In order to do that, you may have to write out all the things that have happened to you. You can do it on a timeline if you want. You can start it when you were, you know, with your first memory of abuse, but you must keep an ongoing list of all the things that your parents have done to you. This is not normal. Parents who are normal, parents who are not personality disordered, do not do these things to their children. They love their children. They have unconditional love for their children. Their goal is to see their child grow and change and and evolve. And it's a beautiful thing to watch for a healthy parent, one that has children for the right reasons. Narcissistic parents don't have children for the right reasons. They have children to grow their own narcissistic supply. And they never count on the fact that the child is going to become an age in which they will start to pull away. They just want that baby, that toddler who just adores them no matter what. They don't even have to try. Some do, some don't. So that's what I have to share with you today. Um, let's see what I have going on next week. Um, okay. Michael. I have Michael Elegion or Elegeon. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, here's his paper. He's coming on the 16th and he's going to be talking about intergalactic matches, love affairs, intergalactic love affairs. This is going to be wild and crazy. You do want to listen to this. This is November 16th. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be Tuesday, so that'll kind of keep you up to date, and then, then you'll see. You can, go, you can go to my page on randyfine.com and go to the podcast, and you'll see every show I ever do, and there's links to every single one of them. All you have to do is click on the link, and you can listen to the show, anything that interests you, and I do this show the second Friday of every month. Next month I have a fascinating show for you. I'm actually having a guest. She is a she has a master's in psychology. We're going to be talking about the family unit during the holidays and the, all the different roles that may happen around a, a dinner table. And we're going to really um we're going to really tell you about each character and what they're doing and how they're fitting in at the dinner table, how they're acting. This is going to be so phenomenal. I'm really excited to have her. Um, and that's going to be, let's see, where's the second, uh, second Friday in December. Okay. That's going to be December 10th at 11 a.m. Eastern. You don't do not want to miss that show. Um, She's really fantastic. She's very insightful. So we're going to have a good talk. Anyway, that's it. That's all I have for you today. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randifine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.